The crew start waking, stretching, yawning. Just another outback morning. Nah, this one's special. It's Macca. G'day, Macca. It's Hunchy. I'm actually just driving through Tully at the moment. We're just start, ready to start a project in uh, far north Queensland at Cairns. It's called G2E. It's a major project of 10.5 k's of freeway building between Gordon Vale and Edmonton. So taking a grader up there to start, and um, I'll be sitting on the grader and doing major projects, what we normally do, yeah. Sitting on the grader. How long have you been sitting on a grader, Hunchy? 30 something years actually so yeah work with some really good guys on graders still enjoy it but i'm getting a little bit too old to be sitting on them now the vibration that's taken its toll over the years having said that these new graders and that they've got today it's just like sitting in a lounge chair just lay back and um go forward reverse and there's only two levers whereas the old days they had nine levers and it was a bit harder on the shoulders and the hands and i'd actually hate to add up the number of hours i've done on graders one of the last graders i had which i call it an m series which is with a joystick control i've done nine and a half thousand hours on that give you an idea we built the hours into them on these major projects and stuff it's sort of a trade where you can make it as hard on yourself as you're not they're actually built for a lot of these young people and that today that have played playstations and that all their lives they've got button controls and all sorts of stuff now which us older blokes sort of struggle with snow starts falling and everybody's talking about the weather geez cull mate in Jamestown, Buckin, Old Talbingo, Lura, Portsy, Bernie, Dingo, they're warming up with Macca on a Sunday morning. I wait all week for Macca on a Sunday morning. Me too. Good morning and welcome to the program wherever you are around Australia. It's Australian Reconciliation Week um, this week and got some lovely bits and pieces, lovely music. Already played uh, Emily Waramurra this morning and uh, lots of things that I want to share with you this morning. Um, this is from Steve Marshall. He says, um, the purpose of this email is to update you on some recent weather events over here in WA. About six weeks ago, tropical cyclone Saroa, Saroya, Saroya, S-E-R-O-J-A, yeah, that'd be yeah, Saroya, came further south than most cyclones ever do in WA and on the 11th it crossed the coast over the top of Calbarry, a coastal holiday town which is just north of Geraldton. Up to half the buildings in Calbarry have been destroyed. It continued inland and although it lost strength fairly rapidly, it continued to wreak havoc in many places through the Wheatbelt region. The town of Northampton, about 50 k's north of Geraldton, was also dev- devastated and the damage went as far as places like Malawa, Morawa and Perondri. Um, Steve wrote to me some time ago um, about um, John Cyril Hawes, a priest and architect who lived in the Midwest region of WA in the early part of last century, he left about 25 buildings across Western Australia. And he had a book and he wrote this, uh, Steve Marshall wrote a book called Stone Upon Stone about John Cyril Hall, Hawes. Anyway, he says, eventually Saroa, Saroya went back out over the ocean somewhere near Esperance. At this stage, it was just a rain-bearing low-pressure system, which was actually good for some farming areas. Anyway, many of the towns hit by Saroa are places where buildings designed by John Hawes are located, and about seven of these have been damaged. I was keen to see what had happened, he said, said Steve, so... I did a quick drive through the region last week. In terms of visible damage, I actually... I was actually expecting worse than what I saw, but there is damage inside, so that'll take some time again, as usual. Um, 
to rebuild. He says this has been a huge disaster for the Midwest region of WA. During the drive, we saw hundreds of trees down and many farm buildings with varying degrees of damage. It's sad that these historic John Hawes buildings have been damaged, but fixing them will quite rightly take second place to getting people back in their houses, farms and businesses. It's going to take a long time, says Steve Marshall. Thanks, Steve. Um, And this from Paul Crawford. He says, I'm Paul Crawford. I understand you've been trying to track down my mates, Rog Barrows and Peter Hunt and myself, after dusting off a letter we wrote to you a long time ago. They were students at the University of New England doing rural science in about 1990, about 1990, I'd say, 89. I occasionally speak with Roger Barrows, who is the head of science at Scots College Albury. I haven't caught up with Peter Hunt in a while, but he's an eminent researcher with the CSIRO. For my part, says Paul, Paul Crawford, after finishing studies in Armidale, I trotted off to Africa and ended up in Rwanda which turned into a career in international development and humanitarian aid. These days I'm an advisor on Australia's official aid program, DFAT. I live on a small acreage with my family in the Lower Hunter Valley. It's a slice of heaven. Those few years in Armidale were pretty formative, with a great bunch of people from all corners of Australia. Great memories, says Paul Crawford. Isn't that great? That's why I read it, read because it, you like to know, because those boys would be now about 50. They were about 20 when they wrote and I was interested that young kids who were who were staying in dorms or they were staying off campus in Armidale and they were from all over doing rural science and doing all sorts of things and you wonder, you wonder how they end up and what sort of things they were doing. So there, there you go. That's a slice of so interesting, so interesting. And I think that's um, the other thing they were writing. A, they had a, a weekly, I'm not sure a weekly or a bi-weekly or a monthly little mag and I think it was called the Overseer or the the rouse about or something like that and and they wrote all sorts of you know bits and pieces interesting stuff about what they'd learned or you know scuttlebutt about who was going out with who and all that sort of stuff uh that you do when you when you when you're dorming and you know staying on campus which um and that's the reason I read it and it was one of those letters that I didn't read because you know I'm I'm going back over old um old files and stuff, and I realised we, we would get 300 letters a week. Now we get 300 emails, but emails are just much shorter, you know, like this email, you know, better paragraph. But we'd get letters of three and four pages, and we'd probably get 300 a week, um, 300 letters a week, and I'd go through them and, and pick out the ones you had time to read but because you, you don't have a lot of time to read, you know, all those letters, and we were taking phone calls and you play music and all that sort of stuff. So I just file them and I just go through and I think, why didn't I read that and why didn't I read that? Because you just didn't have time. So occasionally when I get time, it's a big job. But um, that's why I read that one. And uh, like the one we had from Chloe Muller the other other week, a fabulous, fabulous letter. And I, I think, why didn't I read that? Anyway, look, there's lots of things to do. And um, we'll talk to you. Our number is 1300 700 222. Love to talk to you. Um, g'day, this is Macca. Oh, hi, Macca. It's Sue in Melbourne, in Moorabbin. G'day, Sue. Just, uh, hi, I'm just on my way to work. I'm a nurse working in the COVID swabbing clinic, so thought I'd ring and say hello to you. Tell us, what's the COVID swabbing clinic? Clinic. What's that? So it's a big, um, in Melbourne, we've got lots of drive-through clinics all throughout um, the state and regionally where people can come through and get a free COVID swab just to check that they're okay. Uh-huh. Um, and some of the ones that have been exposed, they're coming through and... We've got, uh, you know, hundreds of people coming through on a daily basis where 
all doing 12-hour shifts down here at the moment, just uh, getting those patients through. And um, I've got to tell you, the, the nursing staff I've been working with have been outstanding. And um, also the patients, all the people coming through, they've been really positive and happy and really good to us. So... It's nothing. Uh, I've just been thinking about what's been happening in Melbourne and the reports we're getting about vaccinations and and things like that, and people going to swabbing clinics like yours. It's nothing like a bit of, you know, panic to focus the mind, and so everybody, every, all of a sudden, everybody's saying, "Oh, I'm going to get the." So it's it's been in some ways, it's the lockdown's been good because it's focused the mind uh, really yeah. well, hasn't it, Sue? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and. Um, you know, people are bringing their kids through as well. Like sometimes we end up with a car of five, so we all just pounce upon the car and get them through as quickly as possible. And I think the wait times are pretty reasonable at the moment. So anybody who's interested in coming through, come on through and see us down here in Moorabbin. <laughs> exactly. Now, do you do you have to wear, you know, PPE and all that oh, sort of yeah, stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm actually just sitting in my car waiting to go in and then we'll all have a debriefing as we get into their... Um, with our manager and then we'll all gown up and get going, get our gloves and our um, our gowns and so forth on and our shields and we try to make sure that we have a smile through the eyes so that everyone knows that, <laughs> they, you know, that they can communicate That's, with us that way. Can you, yeah, can you, um, is that a learned ex- response? How do you learn to smile through your eyes, Sue? Oh, I just, I don't know, but um, I try to make sure that there's always a smile in the eyes because, you know, it helps me a huge amount when I'm dealing with people, so. You, you, could, you could wink, I suppose, wink, I always like a wink well, now and again. I think I think your eyes do change, Macca. I think when you have a big smile underneath that shield, your eyes sort of have a bit of a glisten to them, so that's what I'm hoping for anyway. <laughs> yeah, they sparkle, your eyes sparkle, I think. We try to get them to sparkle a bit, yeah, but um, no, it's been really good, Um I started doing this, um, I normally work in um, theatres, so this is a bit of a big change for me, but I I really feel like, um, you know, I've just got to say the nursing staff I've been working with, especially the young ones, they've been really amazing and um, really stepping up to the plate and um, just wanted to thank all my colleagues for what they're doing and, you know, it's it's been terrific what they've done. They've come out of, you know, a normal shift and they're doing long hours and, you know, we're out in the in the open, you know, at sort of very low degrees down here at the moment. So everyone's really um, pulling pulling extra extra out of themselves and um, you know, giving everything it's got. So I'm really, really happy and really grateful to them all. So uh, Sue, it's a great message too because we get a lot of bad stories on the news and what's happening and the and the bad things that are happening. But, you know, the stories you've just given us, they far outweigh, and that's what most people, you know, the majority, 80, 85% of Australians are, are kicking in and doing what they can, and, and you people uh, are doing a wonderful job. How long have you been a nurse, Sue? Uh, I'm coming up for 36 years. Wow. You're a little champion. Yeah. You should get an award, oh. Sue. You should get an uh, award. Well, there's a few of us. There's a few of us out there that are still going that long. One of my colleagues... Um, she actually retired yesterday and we had a little bit of a celebration. We can't share food or anything, obviously, because it's against the rules, but we had a little bit of a happy dance and sent her on her way and we'll say we'll catch up when, um, you know, when things are better, we'll have a nice glass of Prosecco or something like that or a beer or something. So, <laughs> But no, it's all good. But um, yeah, everyone's rocking up now. I can see all the cars pulling in and everyone's getting ready to go, so... And you're yeah. at and you're at where are, where are you particularly? I'm down in Mara- I'm in Moorabbin today. All right. I normally live in Berwick, but there's a lot of different ones, and we just get sent to different clinics on a daily basis. So, well, just wherever and, the need, ladies, wherever the need is. 
Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, go and say good day to Sue in Moorabbin. She'll be the one with the smiling eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a good day too, Macca. See you, Sue. See, See you, you later. This is a letter that came in in 1988, and I'll just read it. On Monday, the 9th of May, 1988, the Queen opened the new Parliament House, says Captain L.G. Packman from Cardiff in New South Wales. And in commemoration of that event, 3.2 million bicentennial medallions, costing 51.77 cents each, were presented to all school children in Australia. Gee, there you go, three... The obverse side of the medallion shows people climbing steps towards the Southern Cross, which is depicted, which was depicted incorrectly. I caught my first glimpse of the cross on a TV news item on Monday, on the Monday, when I was looking, and I immediately saw that the position of the three stars were in error. The following day, I managed to view the medallion proper, and it confirmed what I'd seen on TV. What surprises me greatly is that I was, according to Mrs. Deborah Griffith of the Bicentennial Authority, the only one to criticise the medallion. Mr. Mithsauros, who designed the medallion, had described the Southern Cross as stylized, and my real concern is that our national flag depicts the Southern Cross correctly, or nearly so, and I do not believe that the Southern Cross can be stylized when it's been around for millions and millions of years. I read this because everyone was talking about the moon the other night. Big tides, two big seas. Be careful if you're off the coast. All people living on the earth south of latitude 10 degrees north and even a little further north under ideal conditions, can see the Southern Cross, and it appears exactly the same to all observers, wherever they are. But it appears to me, after making inquiries, that most people have a very vague idea of what the cross looks like. Under the light and smog conditions existing in cities of Australia, and even with the light conditions of country towns, it's difficult to see Delta Crucis and Epsilon Crucis, which are the least brilliant of the stars in the cross. See, and we don't know the names, do we? Most people don't. What most country people should have no difficulty in seeing the stars of the cross, and during the months of May and June, at around 9pm, the cross will be high in the sky and almost due south of the observer, being highest to those people in the southern states and progressively lower the further north you observe from. From a navigational point of view, the cross, together with the pointers Alpha and Beta Centauri, are of extreme value. For the person lost or the bushman, the cross is a great directional guide because four and a half times the length of the vertical axis of the cross gets a bit difficult here, but listen to this. We're in our maths class now. For the person lost or the bushman, the cross is a great directional guide because it's four and a half times the length of the vertical axis of the cross measured in a line with the vertical axis takes us to the south celestial pole, which is the point immediately south of the observer. This position holds good no matter what time of night or what angle the cross appears to be lying at. Those who come from the Northern Hemisphere will probably be familiar with Polaris, or the Pole Star, which for all practical purposes marks the North Celestial Pole. In the Southern Hemisphere, we do not have any significant stars within 20 degrees of the South Celestial Pole, hence the real value of the Southern Cross, and this fact was used by the very earliest of explorers. I had 41 years at sea, says Les Packman. 30 years as a shipmaster, and I don't think I ever went to the bridge of a ship at night without looking for the Southern Cross, if the ship was in the Southern Hemisphere. Come on, Australians. This is written in 1988. Become familiar with what we have almost claimed as a national emblem. I don't suppose a great deal of the foregoing can be used, says Les. Well, Les, I read it in 1988, and I'll read it, um, I read it again now in 2021, because I think it's important. It's, see, I think that's. I was thinking that's one thing you should learn at school, 
is the Southern Cross and the names of the stars within the Southern Cross and the vertical axis story. And the other thing we should learn at school, I think, is Dorothea's poem because it's non-discriminatory. It doesn't talk about the cancel culture or gender or anything. It just talks about the place where we live. It's a wonderful, wonderful poem. I think she was a great poem poet and, um, yeah, a great uh, example. So I think there are two things we should learn at school. I wish I'd learnt them at school, but we didn't learn those either of those, but I know them now. But um, the Southern Cross, I mean, it's just, as he says, come on Australians, become familiar with what we have almost claimed as a national emblem. It is. And the other thing I was thinking today, because it's Reconciliation Week, is that the word walkabout, that's really an Australian word. We never hear that anywhere, do we? Walkabout. Walkabout. It's a great Australian word, walkabout. And it's I don't think anybody anywhere else in the world had used the word walkabout. So that's another national emblem. But anyway. Hans Hans is in Endeavour Hills. Good morning, Hans. Um, hello, Mecca Ian. <clears throat> Good morning. Um, what may I tell you? What I have been doing this morning or what the weather is here today? <clears throat> you've, got, you've got a frog in your throat. Hans, uh, you're, you're German, wie geht's? Uh, yeah, danke, danke, Ian, yeah. yeah. But uh, for the last 40 years, I call Aussie home, Australia land home. So therefore, this is my home. I was born in Germany, but I'm very glad that I'm living in our country for the last 40 years. Haven't that, regretted it. That's good, that's good. I've got lots of, oh, my parents had lots of German friends and my father spoke fluent German. They used to say to him, your English is very, is there good? Um, yeah, but, but he, in good, fact, exactly, yes. In fact, he was English. Oh, well, you know, he's, yeah. But um, he, yeah, he used to go around the house speaking German, which much to my dismay. But anyway, um, yeah. Hans, what are you doing this morning in Endeavour Hills? That's in um, Melbourne, right? Yeah, Endeavour Hills is in Melbourne, and I'm observing the five-kilometre lockdown situation. So still, that being the case, I can do what I like to do in autumn. I'm going out and collect mushrooms. Whilst I was waiting for you to come on, I've already prepared some of the mushrooms which I've been finding, oh. all within five kilometers. So, of course, today was quite cool, some frost on the lawn, but blue sky, hardly any wind. And I have been collecting mushrooms now for many, many decades. Uh, so, therefore, I'm not only collecting them, I'm also eating them. And uh, my wife and myself, we are enjoying what I'm collecting. Well, uh, well just give us a quick uh, recipe. What do you do with... Uh, and these well, are just, what I'm, yeah. Good one, yes. Yeah. What I'm doing today, after I'm taking all the dust off on the soil, as whatever you're collecting in the wild, it takes you more time to prepare. So I'm frying them, making some omelette with bacon and oh. putting it on the toast. Oh, my God. Hans, um, I'm going to come to... And, and, yeah, yeah, we come why from, not? Yeah, when, you can, when you can travel again, why don't you come over to do a report from lovely Endeavour Hills? We'll do the programme from Endeavour Hills. Hans, we used to have a, a lady used to ring me, um, and she hasn't rung for five years. She used to ring from a place called Oberon. Elizabeth, her name was, and she was in Oberon, um, yes. which is sort of a really a lovely place up in the mountains area, and it's cold there, and it's in yes. fact snows there. Um, yes. It's not, uh, you know, I don't know, a couple of three hours from Sydney because you've got to go the long way around. But um, yeah. and she was she was always out collecting mushrooms, and she was a bit like you. She was an enthusiast and. And I said, how do you tell the, the mushrooms from the toadstools and all that sort of stuff? But she, she just seemed to know. You I, obviously 
you did you used to pick um, uh, mushrooms in in Germany? Yeah, yeah. Well, I learned it. My father uh, introduced me to nature, so I used to pick mushrooms in Germany. Of course, they are slightly different, and some of the European mushrooms are also in Australia. Maybe even all of them. But to be extremely picky, the ones which are quite prominent, the orange-colored ones, pine mushrooms, um, having such a choice at the moment, I'm not collecting them, not because they are poisonous, far from it, they are edible, but that's about all. They are edible, and <laughs> in my own opinion, they are not really that tasty. What I've collected today are Teublinge, or Rusala, or Rusula in English. I never get the English word right, even after 40 years. <laughs> Still, they are the ones, um, even if it is looking quite a bit, once they are in the pan, it is shrinking to half the size. Oh, I see. Hans, <laughs> uh, I will. We'll come to Endeavour Hills as soon as we can cross the border. Um, yeah. Everybody, I love Melbourne. I love Melbourne. Yeah. I love the people. We've had great programs in Melbourne, and I just love yeah. it. And I think it's such a shame, this bloody COVID thing, but um, we'll, yeah, but we'll, on we'll the get other through hand, it. I have to say, as much as I don't like the situation, imagine if there would be an enormous big outbreak and the Victorian government would be very complacent, then there would be quite a bit of finger pointing. Why don't you uh, do this, that and the other? So uh, even though I'm working from home in my little business, it's all right. But still, it is better to be cautious than having even more and more infections. Hans, well, sp well spoken and lovely to talk to you. Thanks for your call this morning, mate. Yeah. Thank you, Ian. Thank good, you. Good on you. Bye. G'day, Michelle. G'day, Macca. How are you going? Yeah, good. Thank you. Um, I just thought I'd ring up because a couple of weeks ago you were talking about Crocs on air. Oh, yeah. And... Yeah, and I was I just thought I'd give you a call and ring up and say that I've I've written I've just had a book published and it's a uniquely Australian book um set in set where near where I'm from and the main character is a crocodile and her name's Connie the Croc. And where where and, where are you from, Michelle? Where where's this? Um I'm originally I'm originally from Mackay and so the creek is called Constant Creek and there's been a lot of big crocs around that area and <laughs> and um, yeah, it just got. I just wanted to ring you and let you know that um, it's called Crocs Don't Do Yoga. <laughs> well, they're they're out of tune. Everybody's doing yoga. I mean, give me a break. But anyway, tell me more. <laughs> okay, so um, there's quite a snappy crocodile that lives on Constant Creek, and her name's Connie. Yeah. And um, but luckily, the humble little yabby, Gabby the yabby, um, who I use for bait a lot when I go fishing around there. <laughs> Um, teaches her yoga and meditation, and she manages to calm herself down. Really, isn't it? Isn't yeah. It? <laughs> but I've got. But there was Constant. another character. The other reason why I wanted to tell you because I've been a long-time listener of the show. I love you, Macca, and uh, <laughs> you're always giving regional Australia a bit of a voice, which is what you know I was hoping to do with my book as well. And there's a mud crab, and guess what his name is? Uh, Ralph. Um, no. Macca. <laughs> <laughs> Mac of the mud crab. Of the, oh dear. Yeah. All right. And he's a, a lovely person. Yeah. Oh yeah. The the mud crab is actually um, a really cool character in the story. She or he wears this beautiful little moon phase necklace. Yeah. Yep. So um, got a lot of Australian characters in the story. Anyway. Uh, all right. So Michelle, uh, Crocs don't you? <laughs> Crocs don't do yoga. My God. 
Um, have you written books before, Michelle? Is that what you do? You write books for kids or? Well, it's my first book. I've always been writing little stories, but um, it's pretty hard to get a children's book published in Australia. Um, and I didn't really know what I was doing, but I just came up with this idea because I was always fishing around the creeks of Mackay and spending a lot of time with those sort of animals. And at the time, I was also doing a lot of yoga. So I just sort of somehow managed to put those things together and came up with this pretty, you know, unique story and just typed it up and sent it to a few publishers. And this awesome little publisher in Melbourne called Larrikin House, um, who are always looking for stories that are funny and are a bit bit quirky and just picked it up and it's been it's been amazing. It's just come out. Um, so Crocs don't do yoga, but Connie the Croc does yoga. That is learns yoga. Is that right? In the end, in yeah. the end, yeah. yeah she right. and then the end of the book, we've you've sort of the the readers left asking the question, what sort of what sort of yoga move would a Croc do? And that's when I'm hoping little kids everywhere will be trying to figure out what a Croc's yoga move is. And Macca the mud crab ends up in chili crab or something, does he? Or what? no, no, no. They're all <laughs> friends. They all hang out at the boat boat ramp and do yoga together every Monday. <laughs> Oh, they're very trendy then. Everyone's doing yoga. Everyone's doing yeah. yoga and Pilates and the whole, yeah. Every, That's right. Everybody's... So, yeah, it's, it, but it's it's very good for your maca. I know. And um, as you get older, um, it's good for your hips and it's good for your joints and it'll keep you, keep you young and healthy. Crocs don't do yoga. And your name, Michelle, is? Michelle Wilson. Michelle Wilson. All right. Good luck with your book. Um, and I'll see you. Where, you. Do you. where do you live now? I live in Koran in the hinterland of Noosa. Uh-huh. So I'm around um, around a lot of creative people and a lot of people that do yoga well, around Of course, here I was too, just so. going to say, everybody's on doing... Yeah, it's the yoga capital of Australia around here. <laughs> and the latte capital and the latte... And... No, 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 chai. It's chai. It's chai. all about the chai around here. <laughs> Good on you, Shell. Nice to talk to you. Good luck. Oh, thanks, Maka. Thanks so much. See ya. Hello, yeah, hi- it's Susan. Hi, Susan. How are you? How are you, Macca? It's um, lovely to hear you this morning as I was going to pick up my dog. I've just come back from Tiwi Island. Uh-huh. And, um, and I was triggered to ring you because um, I'm somebody who's made an offer on unfinished Aboriginal art while I was up there. Oh, really? Yeah, well, I suppose... Yeah, I'm on the other side of the fence, but not millions, let me tell you. <laughs> No, it, it's it's well. I'm just gobsmacked because I heard the other day about blue poles, and I forget the figure, but it's worth humongous amounts of money, and I I just can't see the value in it with the painting. But anyway, you know, it's um that's the that's the way it goes. So you've got some unfinished Aboriginal art which you bought in um in the Tiwis. Well, I've made an offer to the gallery up there, but mm. um you know it's it's an unusual one. I've never seen it before. It's um. It's Aboriginal art um, on um, grieving of uh, women mm. um, with losing their children. And it's, I'm drawn to breasts in art, and mm. they're two big breasts with beautiful dots all around it. And I, 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 I bet it goes to Sydney and goes a lot more than what I offered. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've made the offer on Unfinished Art, and I've got a photo with the artist who's a, a lovely... The Tiwi people are just so lovely. And, and you, you went up there, what, to buy some art or...? Oh, gosh, no, that was just on the side, a, a personal few minutes to myself while I was um, looking with a colleague with our charity where, where uh, retired professionals who 
um, want to make a difference in the Aboriginal health space and our charity is um, supporting all Australians suffering from musculoskeletal diseases, which there are millions of us and a lot of us are in chronic pain, but Aboriginals in remote regions often don't get to consistently take their medication. They'll t treat it like a Panadol and say, oh, well, the pain's gone, and then they stay crippled, whereas we're, we're there to, um, to educate and inform. But the unique thing we did was we offered it to Ken White, the Minister for Indigenous Health at the time, when he had a budget, and he took a, a, he took a chance on us with a pilot out in Alice Springs so, so far we've worked with communities in Alice Springs, Western New South Wales, and now we're doing Tiwi. And it's all about working with the people, um, and particularly in the clinic who know everybody. And the films go for about three minutes max, and they're a, a resource. And it's by the people, for the people, in their own languages. And basically we leave, and it's their film that they've created, and we facilitate it. It's fabulous work for, you know, three old farts and a, and a charity that... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Never thought we'd be doing all of this, but it's, as you said, it's about having a yarn, yeah. you know. We have a yarn. So I was meeting the, the artists up on Melville Island, and it's just about having a yarn and really listening and not coming in and imposing what we want, but really appreciating and learning about and respecting their dignity and their culture. It's fabulous work. Susan, uh, it's uh, in Reconciliation Week. It's great to talk to you. We had some lovely bits and pieces this morning, um, and that's what we get here. It's a bits and pieces program. People ring from all over about all sorts of stuff. Unfinished. Can I? Can I? Yeah, can yeah. I please give you give, give our charity a plug because yeah. everybody around Australia, particularly working in the Aboriginal health field or where whatever field, may like to look at our videos, and um, they're on our website called dragonclaw.net dragonclaw.net and it's right up on the top right hand tab called First Australians mm -hmm. and they'll see the Alice Springs one, they'll see the Outdubbo and Canamble one when they were fabulous and now we're working on the Tiwi one so I'd love people to have a look at our, our films and the resources to share wherever they can in any community whether it's regional or remote yeah. Susan I'll come and see your breasts if you get to buy it and, um, Will yeah. you? Will yeah. you come and see my breasts? You're on. You're on. Do you want to buy it with me and we'll share it like you do with yeah. your sister? Well, de de <laughs> de depends how much. Depends how much. <laughs> oh, well, I've only offered between one and two thousand, and it'll go for a lot more. But there's a big plug that's anyway. The, but you never know. You the, never know. It's the thought that counts. It's unfinished, as you. Yeah, Susan. Great to talk to you. Thanks, mate. See ya. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.